Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 9 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Before we chat with our guest today, I'm thrilled to announce that today we're kicking off a new series called Enchantress After Dark. The Eddie Book Love and Podcast has been the official podcast for previous events such as Allure and the Readers Take Denver Tour Book Convention. And I am thrilled to announce that in 2024, we are the official podcast for the Dark Star Con 24, happening August 29th through September 1st, 2024 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Dark Star Con is a book convention focused on audiobooks and what the next best thing in audio is. And thus, Enchantress After Dark is born because we're going to get a little personal get to know our guests a little bit better aside from just the prepping and the audio and all that fun stuff that has to do with work so our first guest today is katie thompson katie thank you for being here hi thank you so much for having me i'm excited you have been all over my social media (laughs) oh i love to hear that i love to hear that yes work you're doing is working (laughs) thank you oh that's so good to hear yeah, I actually had someone say, hey, well, how can I do it? And I actually pointed them like, go, go ask your feet. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Well, it's a brand new world. We're trying to get more out there and figure out how to get that visibility. And uh, you guys as narrators are working out of the booth of sorts, right? In this That's world right. from doing more social medias to going to these conventions. But we're going to start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Absolutely. So I actually just had my one year anniversary on December 11th of uh, getting my first offer to um, narrate an audiobook. So I am relatively new. So just one year, but it's been a whirlwind. I just said in a previous video, it feels like it's been two weeks and also 10 years. Uh, There's a (laughs) lot that I packed into one year. But um, yeah, I got started um, kind of by accident. I have a background in theater and journalism. And so I had a lot of the pieces that I needed to kind of get started. I have a background in acting and editing and performing and all of that good stuff. And uh, I had my daughter in 2011 and I was like, I cannot be stuck in the house anymore. So I was on these long, long walks and listening to audiobooks. And I was like, gosh, this is so amazing. Um, Let me just look into this a little bit more. And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole of researching and, you know, doing all of that fun back end background work um, and then started getting together all my equipment and uh, did more research because that's really the key and learning as much as I can and just started auditioning. And so it's been an amazing packed year, but that's kind of how I got started. It's uh interesting how sometimes just 12 months can feel like 10, 15, 20 years, isn't it? (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. So in that one year, what is, what is something that stands out the most about, aside from, you know, paying gigs, uh, (laughs) yeah. From this community that makes you want to continue to do this going forward. Um, I would say, well, I didn't know anything about like the book community online. I have always been like a very solitary reader, which I think a lot of people experience that, but I had no idea about this incredible online book community at all, you know, even audiobooks in general. So I was thrilled to not only be accepted into, you know, the narrator community online, but just the book community in general, just being able to kind of share this love of reading um, and just learning so much from the, um, 
other readers and narrators and authors, it's been probably the biggest thing that I was surprised about, just the general support. And I, like I said, I was a newbie. I had a lot to learn. And people were extremely generous with sharing their knowledge and experience with me, um, which I know is not always true in, in other creative industries. So that was really refreshing. That is true. I mean, a lot of other careers, but even, I mean, at the end of the day, the grass isn't always greener on the other side and we always have bad apples, right? But this community has really kind of shown that we can cohesively work together and teach each other things and not really be a competition with each other. Right. There was like no gatekeeping that I came up against. Everybody was so generous and willing to like, hey, if you have questions, reach out to me. And these were like pretty big narrators that I would reach out to and they were so nice and generous and I didn't realize how big they were at the time. You know, now I'm like, oh my God, you had some balls to do that. But it was my ignorance that gave me the confidence, honestly. Uh, But yeah, everybody has been so, so generous and welcoming. So that was awesome. Well, that's a good point too. I think sometimes we over kind of like, oh my God, it's so-and-so. They're so big. But the reality is they put on their pants just like the rest of us or any other attire, honestly. And they had to go through struggles as well when they first started. I mean, the Andy Arndt, Sebastian Yorks, Joe Ardens, they're always going, yeah, that first book. Mm -mm." Exactly. Everybody had to start somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, there's a big pay it forward energy that I've come across, which I love. Because there's so much information out there. And that's one thing that as listeners, sometimes I think we forget that it isn't just a hot voice, quote unquote, mm-hmm. on the other side of the mic or in our earbuds, but an actual live human being that has done their, should have done their due diligence. I'm not going to lie there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, done their due diligence and has, you know, done coaching and stuff like that and, or been fortunate enough to have a background and work their butts off in that background when they're transitioning over. Because that's the other thing, too. I don't ever want to take that credit away for the work that you've done elsewhere that you've brought these skills into the booth now. Because that's the other thing, too. It's important. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many different avenues that you can take to, um, you know, get into this career, which is like it doesn't work. What works for somebody might not work for somebody else. And so, like, it was nice to hear a lot of different opinions because, you know, there's a lot of times where at the beginning I was doing something one way and it was really not working for me. It was really hard. It just was not going to work for me as a person. And I realized, you know, oh, I could do it another way. And that was totally fine. (laughs) Sometimes we make things harder for ourselves. Oh, true. You know, I mean, I'm also a perfectionist. I know what that's like to try to be like, I I know I can figure it out while the person's looking at me like you could have just asked. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm a eldest daughter, uh, perfectionist energy all day. So I totally feel that. (laughs) Yeah, she's sister. (laughs) (laughs) So in this year of the books that you've done, because we all love accents. I'm going to start there too, because I think for whatever our reasons behind it, the exoticness, just how sounds words, the the different essence that it kind of brings. The accent work is something that I think a lot of times we as listeners are going, oh my God, their accent work, blah, blah, blah. It's so awesome. What's a favorite accent of yours to perform? Um, I would say British is probably easiest for me. Outside of the United States. I mean, Southern, I'm from Georgia. I grew up in the South. So that is like a second skin. I can just move into that super um, easily. But I'd say British is probably my easiest just because I did a lot of Shakespeare um, back when I was doing stage work. So I'd say those two were probably 
the easiest for me. I did do a fantasy series um, when I first started that had a ton of different accents. The funny thing about fantasy series, which I love and hate at the same time, is they can just make up a lot of stuff. <laughs> so languages, names, countries, you know, all this different stuff that can be made up. And so like I'm going through trying to do my prep work and trying to look up different pronunciations of things. And it's like, oh, it doesn't exist. You're just going to have to ask the author or figure it out. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a learning experience, but it was also a lot of fun because, you know, as I mentioned, as an actor, that is part of the, you know, what you love is figuring out all that stuff about the characters. Um, but yeah, those two accents are probably my go-to when it comes to what's easiest for me. Now on the opposite uh, side of things, what are the hardest? Oh boy, Scottish. Mm-hmm. Scottish and Irish, and I can say this about British as well, they all have so much nuance to it. And by region, it changes. There's like a thousand different versions of each of those accents. So I'm sure any British person listening to me would be like, okay, well, you know, she knows one version of that <laughs> accent because there's so much nuance to each of those. But yeah, it's, Scottish is is tough. It's a mouthful sometimes. Yeah, I know. It's, I love seeing it on TikTok where you, they, there's been some Scottish Highlanders of sorts kind of saying, yes, you think we sound sexy because of what you see in the theaters and the movies and in books. But if you came here and then they go full blown Scottish accent and you're going, what did you just say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a little bit different from like real life and Outlander. Right. But still, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for the Scottish accent. So. Oh, girl, me too. I love to listen to it. I just don't sound very sexy doing it. <laughs> A lot of these accents are not, I mean, there's something like when you guys talk about where your diaphragm sits or where the tongue, if it's in the back of the mouth or the front of the mouth, I'm going, well, I don't need an, an anatomy class for this. Yeah, it's very technical. It truly can be very technical. Yeah. And I'm going, I I can roll my R's. Yes, which a lot of people can't. My husband can't, which I didn't realize. <laughs> yes. yes. So that's the thing. But I'm not a narrator. So that's the other thing too, because I'm like, I'm like, nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I go, if you ever need a short, like a, a short verbiage or something, and there's an R rolling, you can call me. I'll do it quickly, and it'll be fine. There but you that's go. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, thank you. It's a lot of hard work. Here you are saying, I don't want to stay at the house anymore, and you end up in a, in a <laughs> you end up in a new role where you're in a box. Yes, that is funny. That is ironic. Yeah, I have always kind of been. A homebody. I, I started my first business in 2018, and I just could not wait to get out of the office. The corporate world is not for me. I am like the kind of person who would be in an office and not talk to anybody during the day, which is strange because I'm a pretty social person. But the work from home life has always been perfect for me. So, yes, I did You know, need to get out of the house a little bit with the baby, which is good for both of us. But I love being in the booth and I love working from home. It's just very conducive to my personality. Yeah, my friends were always shocked when they're like, if you work for human resources. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could never. I could never. I'd be the worst in HR. <laughs> oh, God. I, my, my managers were like, OK, Viv. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. Who's coming to the meeting? <laughs> you have to be very like extroverted which i i'm guessing you probably are and i i feel i find myself like on the line of maybe an extroverted introvert um but yeah hr would be a struggle for me <laughs> no see see that's where people get that mistaken from me i'm actually an introvert with extroverted tendencies 
So when I go to these conventions and I do meetings and I do panels and things like that, I'm on, I'm like social butterfly running everywhere, hostess with the mostest. I will need to go up to my room and hide for the next couple of hours (laughs) to recharge. Yeah, I get that. But I'm also the girl that says, what, two executives are who are getting paid really well can't get along because of egos? Let's go to the boxing ring, folks. Here's some gloves. <laughs> get it out of your system so we can go have a beer. Thanks. That sounds like a romance novel. Right? Like, uh, lover, enemies to lovers. And my managers would be like, we can't do that, Viviana. <laughs> but why not? Why not? I Yeah, I'm like, mm, it's just our freaking egos. But yeah, so hence why I don't work there anymore. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's, it's you know, the love of having this passion for something else is something that I mean, a lot of our things have in common. A lot of the narrators started off in doing other things and however they landed in a booth or in a closet with a lot of clothes around them. It's really, I think that that kind of journey is interesting to kind of just talk about and see like, wow, you know, where you were almost like those, you know, dating myself a bit here facebook memes now that people use with the whole like that was then this is now uh and kind of how that looks i did a video a while back about that exact thing i mean i grew up like i mentioned doing theater loving broadway like wanting to be on broadway my little delusional self but i just loved everything about it still do and i ended up getting a degree in theater and film and all that good stuff but of course reality kind of and i do like you know, to make money. And I was not willing to make the salary that I was being offered in theater at the time. So I kind of, you know, went the corporate route, which I mentioned didn't work out. But I I always was kind of disappointed that I never got to kind of pursue that passion through um, my career. Uh, So this has been kind of a dream come true to actually come back and be able to make a second career or third career out of something that I never thought I was going to be able to. So that the little girl in me is just like jumping up and down every single day that I get to do this. Yeah. Now in theater, you're, you're taught to do like extrovert, the, like the, the, you know, enunciate. So the person in the back in the balcony in the third yep. row, you know, but can, can hear you. And really make hand gestures a lot louder, maybe, than they need to be. Because, again, the person with the glasses in the far end needs to see that. Playing to the back row. I can only imagine having to dial dial that down because microphones pick up everything. It's it's true. It's definitely a different beast. And I do have some experience with, like, film and television where it's a lot smaller. Um, So I have some experience with kind of working with that range. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, It's a different approach to things. A lot of the skills that I have from like breaking down a script and all that stuff and breaking down characters and looking through the character development, all of that's been super, super helpful when going through a book and and prepping. But yeah, it's definitely a smaller kind of a different nuanced performance than it it would be on stage. Like when the script says, and she yelled at him. Mm -hmm. It's gonna hurt if you're yelling in my earbuds, girl. Exactly. Convey that anger. Ugh. It took me forever to figure out how to record a scream in an audiobook. It took me hours upon hours of testing and trying things out to figure how to make that sound right. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing how sometimes you guys will do videos on social media on some of those things, you know, behind the scenes in the booth kind of stuff where it's an interesting where it is maybe a yelling or 
something's muffled because they're eating cereal and talking at the same time. And sometimes like, okay, how do I do this? Oh, I guess I'm going to have to get something in my mouth and uh, pretend. (laughs) I literally, every time it says, you know, they said through, you know, food in their mouth, I actually have to go get a piece of bread and put it in my mouth because otherwise it just sounds fake. Sometimes you just got to do the real thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I know some of y'all listening to this episode right now going, hmm, and I'm like, stop it. Because I know where you guys are going. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. You know not, where they're going, Katie. Right? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> we don't go that far. We're not method acting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, some might be. I'm not. Some might, right? But it is, I think, a conversation where listeners are hearing the story, especially when it comes down to romance. And, you know, he's being an ass and now you're getting mad at him because you as the femme character and the femme listener kind of put yourself in that character's shoes and now you're angry at him because he's pissed but then he's being super nice and he's kissing on you and stuff like that the the emotions that you guys are evoking in the listener per your performance i know that there's this conversation i don't want to get into the completely personalized stuff like that but there you know even when those emotions are sad and angry are you also kind of getting into those moments like my god he's a dick Oh, yeah. I mean, I just as I would as a reader, I have very big emotions about the characters that I'm playing. Um, I find myself, you know, having to like I will cry in the booth if I if I'm feeling it and I'm in a scene and I'm narrating a scene that's super emotional. I find myself, you know, crying. I mean, it, I think it comes through in, in the performance. Obviously, you have to be careful with vocally. Um, you're still sounding good because um, it doesn't sound good to cry and speak at the same time sometimes. Yeah, that ugly but, cry. Not, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So you're still cognizant of that. But yeah, I feel a lot going through these books and definitely ha- sometimes have to take a step away. Like, oh, I, I feel myself getting annoyed. Like, he's pissing me off. I have to take a break, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously you have to stay a little bit as a third party to be able to have to narrate some of the people that I don't like, like the villains. You you still have to be able to find a way to connect and understand them, to voice them and to act as the villain. So, yeah, sometimes I have to take a break and be like, damn, yeah, I can't do him right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about when you're having to do him and that where you, the scene's just getting steamier and steaming? You're like, yeah, you know what? Mm-mm, I got to go hang out with a kid afterwards. I cannot do this right now. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to take a step away, decompress, and then mm-hmm. you know, get back into it at a later time. Just as many other artists, authors or whatever, when they're writing and they're either in a block or they're just not feeling it, you just take a step away and come back to it when you're more clear headed. I know sometimes those authors are hilarious on social media, too. They're like, hey, honey, I need a second. Can you put your hand here? And oh then my your gosh. foot over there. And the husband's like, sure. Like, what are you doing? I'm so make sure if this works. <laughs> I love those videos. Whenever I see those across my feed, I always watch them. Those crack me up. I love those. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself narrating and in that scene where they're, they're describing where certain things are and you're going, wait, is there an extra hand? Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've had to like sit there and literally draw a diagram. I'm like, okay, where, how how's this working? How's, how's this happening? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I see now. And then I can go back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been times where I've highlighted and t- given it to my husband and like, listen later, okay? Thanks. Take notes, honey. Take notes. Oh, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a handbook. I mean, more guys should 
read. <laughs> right. Well, that's well. Okay. There are certain genres that perhaps maybe not. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're not we're not doing dark romance in real life. That's just for no. fun in your head. <laughs> like whatever you need to work through. Yeah. But the um, emotionally stable is really good with the t- talking about his emotions, all that stuff. Like, hey, guys, cooks and cleans without being told what uh, that needs to be done. Oh. Right. Exactly. Sexy. So sexy, especially for, you know, tired moms out there. It's like, you know, my husband was like cleaning bottles and I was like, I love when you talk dirty to me. (laughs) (laughs) Guys don't realize that that's small stuff. I mean, it's preheating the oven. Knowing that you've worked all day and so you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. Exactly. Even if it is a grilled cheese sandwich or a pizza from your favorite spot or whatever. Right. Or your frozen pizza doesn't matter. You're like, I don't have to think about it. I'm still waiting for that author to write that story where it's just a, I don't need to have a thousand angst because, you know, that's enough real life for me. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of want to have where, where she's just kind of like he's just doing things because he genuinely wants to. Because that's the other thing, too. Acts of service. Acts, Acts of, of service, service. And she's just like, what do I do? <laughs> right. A little confused, a little taken aback. Oh, I'm sure it's out there. I might have to do a little research and find some wrecks for you. (laughs) Yeah, that that would be, I think so too, because I mean, it's just one of those where I'm like, uh, you know, not yucking anybody's yum. And if you want to go for the aliens and the multiple appendages or the the historical time traveling or, you know, the dark mafia stuff, I'm all for all of that. But man, to just sit there and say, oh my God, he's doing the dishes without being asked. Damn. Ooh, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to send you if you you probably also seen them, but there actually are a few memes out there that they're quote unquote thirst traps. Mm-hmm. But it's the guy go looking obviously kind of sexy at the camera, but then washing the dishes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I love those videos, too. I mean, people are so creative and funny. It's, it, I just get blown away by all these ideas that people come up with. <laughs> yeah. You've also done a phenomenal job on your social media and having that social presence with your listeners and clients as authors and things like that. Thank you. I mean, is it hard? Because I, I find it difficult to put myself out there. How do you get through that? Well, I have a little bit of an advantage. My first business that I started in 2018 that I am still doing on the side is social media. So I've been a social media manager and content creator for other people for a long, long time. So I've had the and I have a um, journalism and media degree. So I kind of have a little bit of an advantage of um, being able to study the trends and all that kind of stuff for a while. But yeah, I just have found that especially recently in the and I think this is going to be even more in the next couple of years, just authenticity and kind of that raw just showing up and get letting people see who you are. That is going to be the way to go. Anything overly produced or, you know, obviously overly edited. Now, there is a place in time for those type of, you know, overly produced things, and they still have their place and people will enjoy them. But I think that as we see on TikTok and Instagram, that just that authentic showing up like, you know, good, bad, and ugly is what people want to see. And I've been just trying to, you know, hey, when I have a second, put the phone up and and just talk, you know, sometimes. Uh, and I think that hopefully is resonating with people. Yeah, and it has. And I mean, I do the social media stuff for other people, too. That's the easy part. It's for myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's easy for you as a, as a you know, like you, a business owner. I, I know what those trends are. I'm like, 
grab the phone. It's not that difficult. Internally, I'm going, I'm not going to grab my phone and uh, show any of this hot mess going up in public. <laughs> it's a lot harder. And I think it's truly a muscle. It's just you have to continue to do it. And just like any kind of training, um, it hurts at first. It's uncomfortable. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I know that's like never the answer people want to hear. They want like the magic <laughs> recommendation or the magic bullet to to make it easier. But I, I, that's the only thing that's helped me is just to continue to do it. And I've had videos that, you know, where I was asking for feedback and like crickets. <laughs> so, you know, that happens and that's fine. I don't delete them. I keep them up there. Yeah. It's just, you just have to keep doing it and practice makes it easier. Unfortunately, that's the only thing that I found. <laughs> yeah. I may have to find myself like an accountability partner that says, get going and move it do it <laughs> i'm like fine <laughs> yeah that's not a bad idea i love that idea um because honestly you could tell yourself you're going to do something all day but if you say it out loud to somebody else you're like oh, all right i guess i told them and they're gonna you know get on my ass if i don't do it so that's a great idea yeah i've been trying it's just one of those things where i'm like i'll get my hair done cutesy or i'm having a few moments so i'll, I'll put on the lipstick and maybe a little bit of foundation and then I'll do a bunch of videos and then I'll see if I want to put any of them out there. But it's also, I love how you sometimes just get into your car and yeah, you're like yeah. talking and I'm like, she's just sitting there. I wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's out of necessity too. Like I am in my car so much because of my, you know, my daughter is in a phase where she's like, I only want to sleep in the car. I only want to nap in the car. And I'm like, oh, great. This is a fun phase. So sometimes like that's that's where I am. I, I get my laptop in there. I'm working. I'm editing. I'm doing what I need in there. And I'm like, hey, let me pop on and do a video. So just got to find the time. All right. I think I want to start working a little. I've been getting better. You've been seeing my mug all over the place a little bit better. So it's no, something. it's awesome. Yeah, I love seeing all of your stuff. Thanks. I appreciate that. It, and I think it's just where the trend is. A lot of times we're having this conversation with the narrators, like, and some of the narrators are like, listen, I just want to be in my booth recording and leave me the hell alone after that. And that's totally fine. I totally get that. Yeah. You do feel a little drained and it's like the last thing you want to do is record a damn video. And that's why I sometimes do it in between recording sessions and you know, I've had a lot of authors actually that ended up working with me. They said, I love your narration videos and I love, um, you know, hearing the end product and all that stuff. But I enjoy just the videos about you. Like people want to connect with you as a person and they'll end up, you know, wanting to work with you if they feel like, oh, this will be a nice, fun person to work with. And yes, that kind of takes the intimidation factor out of like, oh, I don't know who this person is or how it's going to be to work with them. Uh, so I found that that ended up being a bigger plus for them than even hearing my narrations. So uh, just, you know, food for thought for people out there. Just share some of your personal stuff. People like that. They do. Just careful on the personal stuff. I sometimes see some. Of, I'm not going to lie. There's some, there was the other day I saw a, a male narrator and I think the guys get this a lot more so than us fat, you know, femme presenting ladies kind of a thing where the, the listeners will start saying potentially like, oh, say I'm a good girl or say something sexy to me. Right. Stuff like that. And the guy, and the guy sometimes will may feel like they have to perform and things like that. And I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because the reason why I'm asking is it's important conversations and thing we need to have because there is such a bias when it comes down to the male narrators and the female narrators and from leaving you guys out of reviews to really being hard on you guys, loving on the guys just because he says fuck sexily. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because it is a very, very different dynamic that I've noticed and, and everybody's noticed. I feel like there, it's a catch-22 for probably a lot of male narrators, and I don't want to speak for any of them. Obviously, they have their own personal experience. But yeah, I could definitely feel like that pressure of um, – and and also – People, for some reason, want the narrators to look like they want them to look instead of like just them being a regular person that that's how they look. And people are like weirdly commenting on their physical appearance based off of their voice, which I'm like, OK, this is off limits and weird. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I could understand there that pressure has to feel very strange and it's a hard line to walk between I am in the romance genre and I do, you know, say these things in the books, but also like, where is that line of people asking me to say these things on TikTok? And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think there is a, a balance and I think it's sometimes it's fun and silly and cheeky. But I think that as consumers, whether you're male, female, whatever, you just need to be considerate of the performer. Um, and this is not just in audiobooks. I mean, as somebody who's been performing in, in other venues, there's certain aspects of like, you know, experiential theater where uh, people are, they don't understand like, oh, you can't touch the performers. <laughs> like, that's not part of this. You can't do that. So just, and even if that means people in the industry, I don't have a huge, huge following, but I'm happy to speak up on this of just like understanding and expressing boundaries and saying, listen, I love to interact with listeners and readers and I want to continue to do that. But here are my boundaries and uh, hopefully you respect those. And if not, I just have to, you know, respectfully remove myself from the conversation with you. And I think that that's fair. And listen, if romance readers don't understand boundaries, then we are doing something wrong. Right? Well, they're very big on saying it that it's great in the stories and stuff like that. I'm seeing it and specifically lately where they don't seem to translate that consent and boundaries to you guys as performers for whatever reason. I think it's it's part of like especially with audiobooks, you're listening to these people. And if you're like a big fan of them, you're listening to them all the time sometimes. And it feels, it's like, it feels personal, you know, like you should or want or whatever to have that personal relationship with them when it's a little bit maybe different if you're watching them on TV or reading the, physically reading the book, it might not feel as personal. So maybe that's where some of the lines get blurred for people and they just have a hard time separating that um, maybe. And that is true. And I also always let the you guys as narrators saying, hey, I get the pressure, but you're going to be opening up a can of worms that you may not be able to put back. Yeah, it's hard because, I mean, I, I know as somebody like who wants to put popular content out there on socials and and to build my following and to build my community, it's hard to not give into the pressure of doing things that you look back and you're like, oh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like. <laughs> That was a bad idea. <laughs> so I totally get it. And, and listen, we're, you know, people are allowed to make mistakes and, and to go back and say, like, look, I probably shouldn't have done that. And I want to change the conversation now. And hopefully people respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping to, too. I think that that's also where we're t- having the conversations where, you know, us as a community can have these difficult conversations sometimes and saying, hey, and last time I checked, he's still a human. And so is she. So let's respect them as individuals and know they're not going to say that who's your, you know, who's your daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I see other narrators really looking out for each other. And and a lot of the male narrators who 
very deservedly so get ton of praise and and attention and of course they're amazing and and when you know the female narrators might get left out of the review or the conversation i see these male narrators like you know sticking up for them and and bringing them back in and making sure they get tagged and and i love that and i just hope to continue to see that kind of camaraderie because i think it's amazing yeah and as i should i think you guys as peers should have that united front and be able to support one another and also have those conversations where like, dude, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's always good to be able to um, be honest with each other and say like, Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, e <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're all out here trying new stuff. And so, um, you know, hopefully we can just continue to be honest with each other and, and lift each other up. Absolutely. I know one of the things I like to do when um, to lift my spirits up is listen to music. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, though, it happens where you're in the most technically un opportunist areas to kind of blast your, your lungs out and sing like when you're at the grocery store. So what's that one song that if you hear whether you're at a, you know, a store or a grocery store and that it starts playing and you're going, oh, that's my jam. You might do a little bit of the swiggle, swiggle, wiggle, wiggle kind of thing, too. Oh, gosh. Um... Okay, so anything Shania Twain, especially early 90s, and then I want to dance with somebody. That's like my party song. I will get up and dance anytime I hear that. Uh, but yeah, Shania Twain, like I will, I love any early 90s Shania. Those are good. Very good. Oh, yeah. And like it's coming back. Like she's coming back into popularity. And I'm like, why did she ever leave? <laughs> then again, shoes that I wore when I was in high school back in 1990s. Are coming back and they're like, oh, look at the new shoes. I'm like, honey, I used to have a pair of those. Right. Oh, <laughs> so I <yeah>. get it. <laughs> Example. Yeah, everything's uh, cyclical, especially fashion. Yeah, we're seeing it all come back. Absolutely. So, okay, so I've added those two songs to my playlist. So when we're in public together and hanging out or, you know, at an event, I'm just going to start playing it and you guys, you're going to have to do your, your dancing and your singing. Oh, yeah, I'll be ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things I do love to play with my guest is a two truths and a lie where you tell us three things about yourself and we have to figure out which one's the lie. And I say we because y'all are listening and playing along, right? Okay, good. <laughs> so if you're ready to share your three things. Okay. Um, my first kiss was on stage. I can speak more than one language. And I wrote my first book at 14. Wow. All young. So which one is a lie? See, the third the getting first kiss on, on stage is so like potential and truthful because of the fact that you were on there um, and the creativeness. Oh, my God. multiple! You did good on your homework, girl. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to say the lie is the you wrote your first book at the age of 14. No, that's actually true. Now, I wouldn't say it's good, but I did finish a full manuscript and self-published it at 14. <laughs> My God, you went as far as like self-publishing it? Yes. Damn, yes. that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I was very, very lucky to have my dad, who's an author as well. He's a physician, but also an author. Um, he was so, so supportive of me. Like, I think he was secretly thrilled that I was doing it. Um, but it's not like I had like an editor and he, or I was the editor, which is like 14 year old editor. I don't know. But I mean, I'd be scared to go back and look at the uh, grammar and spelling. But I did finish it, which I'm proud of. Um I don't, maybe one day I'll resurrect it and try to rewrite some of it. <laughs> I was going to say you totally should. Yeah, I, if I have the patience, I'm like into uh, writing now, a, actually a contemporary romance about narrators. I haven't really told anybody yet, but like 
just fun of the some of the funny stuff from my experience. So I'm like distracted with that. But but yeah, and I did get my first kiss on stage, which is like we were mic'd up and my whole family was in the audience. So like, yeah, that was fun. And it was my <laughs> best friend's older brother. <gasps> yeah, it was quite the uh, first foray into romance. But thankfully, we were friends and he was a great guy and it was all cool okay kosher <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah that's definitely a, a premise for a, a romance book right there for sure <laughs> oh yeah yeah if i could go back and maybe rewrite it to be uh, a lot more less well a lot less embarrassing <laughs> well no you kind of I, I think i would want you to keep the embarrassing and have it oh, yeah? be, you know yeah for that moment in time because i think we've all been there at some point at that age right yep and yep, then yep. it the it becomes when you you come back home for something or you guys meet up somewhere else completely because that's the other thing too. I'm like it's a I know it's a big world, but also being said it's a small world, it doesn't have to be when you come back home, right? It could be that you guys meet a, a, for some chance at a cafe in, in the middle of somewhere. You're like, oh my god, it's you. Oh, I love <laughs> that idea. All right, I'm taking notes furiously. Take notes, yeah. <laughs> So you do not speak multiple languages, though. I don't. I don't. Which is like at this day and age, I'm embarrassed to say. But um, I mean, I took French and Spanish so I can um, have basic conversations, but I am definitely not fluent. Well, I mean, I can totally have full conversations, but I can still kill it. So, right. I'm jealous of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever need anything, you let me know if it's in Spanish. If I can't figure it out, I'll ask my husband who has a master's degree in Spanish. So, oh, perfect. Perfect. Yes. I might uh, call that favor in. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. For those that don't know, the, you know, the podcast has a Patreon and we do this quick round of would you rather and where I make you guys uh, choose between two things. It's fascinating. It really okay. is because, yeah, we're going to play the, the full game on a little later. But what I find fascinating is there's just different ways to play it. But and how you guys go about that, right? And how you guys answer is fascinating. But there's one question that I've always like played off and then said, hey, so the question is, um, would you rather tell everyone your guilty pleasures or never partake in any of those guilty pleasures ever again? Right. Mm-hmm. And then the guests will answer one way or the other. And if they answer, oh, I'll tell them all. My dish kind of thing has always been, okay, well, the next time that you're on the podcast, we're going to talk about that. Sort of in jest, not anymore. <laughs> Okay, I love it. Yes. So being that we're now, you know, this is a little spinoff of the the podcast itself as far as the Enchantress After Dark, we're going to get a little more cozy here. So again, so the question then for you is, would you rather tell everyone your guilty pleasures or never partake in those guilty pleasures ever again? Well, I am happy to share because I think I would be devastated if I never got to do it again. And I'll give you a little bit of background of like why it's a guilty pleasure because a lot of people would not think this is like a guilty pleasure. But I mentioned I do have a a film degree and I went to a liberal arts school right outside of Chicago. And I don't know if anybody listening has ever been around like film kids, but they can be insufferably kind of like cerebral and think they know like, oh, you know, this film and this film and just calling it film in general, like they can be obnoxious. (laughs) And I was (laughs) never feeling quite in with that crowd. But my guilty pleasure is reality TV. And like, if I told them that, they'd be like, oh, you know, like that's disgusting or whatever. But I am a huge reality TV girl. Like, bravo, bravo, bravo. Love everything. <laughs> now, do you like it when it's more like talk showy, kind of like you're seeing, like they're in the living room and you're just watching them having comments? Or do you like it where there's like the last survivor? 
kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. So I'm a housewives girl. I'm not necessarily like a survivor. And I'll watch those shows, but I'm definitely more a housewife girly. <laughs> okay. Because I mean, things have changed. I remember when the, the MTV used to have that reality show. And it was the first of its kind. And they were Big really, Brother. Yeah. Well, no, I know it was before that. Oh my God. What is the. Oh, real world. Real, real world. world. Yes. Real world. Thank you. That's for my, you know, like that's what I knew as reality TV show was. Yeah. It's uh, changed a lot. A There's lot. actually, <laughs> yeah. There is actually a really great documentary. I can't remember where I watched it. Maybe HBO Max, but about the history of reality TV. And it's super interesting because it's not that old um, of a genre. I mean, it's pretty new considering um, in the landscape of television. Um, But it's so interesting to see how it's changed. Even since the Housewives shows started, it's so crazy to see how everything has changed. Um, And it's just a blast to go back and watch those early ones. It cracks me up. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I love everything about trashy reality TV. And I am like the most non-confrontational person, but I am kind of nosy. So like, I don't want to be part of the drama, but I want to know everything about the drama. So uh, reality TV is perfect for me. So I can get that out of my system. So I don't have any drama in my real life. (laughs) Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's so cool, you know, to kind of like, I'm not much of a reality watcher. I'd rather have like detective shows, you know, all that fun other things kind of thing happening. But I can still totally see us hanging out and having you just put on something. I'm like, just put something reality show. I want to see what what the whole thing is about. What's your guilty pleasure about this? It's fun. You don't, and especially if you have a life where you have to be using your head all the time, like, you know, what's for dinner? What am I doing at my job? What, you know, what doctor's appointments does the kid have? It's so nice to just turn on something that is like brain melting. You don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, there's sometimes good fashion, sometimes it's horrible. It's just fun. And it's not something you have to use your brain a lot for, which is a plus. Yes. Sometimes we need that brain. Yeah, rest. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, That's an interesting guilty pleasure. And I love that you were saying, you know, letting us know why you consider it a guilty pleasure, because sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I don't consider it a guilty pleasure. But I'm like, well, you know, everyone's definition is different. So I love hearing yours. Right. Thank yeah. You for sharing. Of course. So another new thing that we're doing, because you guys tend to go rogue sometimes when I'm talking to you. And all of a sudden I'll have to remind you that I am the host and you guys are the guests. Stop asking (laughs) me things. There's been two instances where they flew. I'm like, whose show is this anyways? Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was it was funny until I realized I'm going, hey, wait a minute. No one's wanting to talk about me. You're the guest. Let's go. And having to put like that, that, uh, you know, more of a bossy mommy voice on. (laughs) They stop it. Turn this around. But I'm going to give you guys, as part of this Enchanters After Dark, the opportunity to ask me anything and I will answer and be honest. So if Ooh. you have a question for me. <laughs> yeah. What are you listening to right now? Any good audiobooks that you're listening to right now? All right. So honestly, I'm not. I'm honestly, and it's rare. I'm not listening to an audiobook right now. So maybe I can rephrase. Like, what was the last one that you really loved that you listened to? Um, see, see, the part of it is I kind of don't want to rephrase it a little bit if you if we can go with it, if that's okay with you, because totally that's been also we're at the end of the year. Right. And everyone's tallying up everything from the songs that they've listened to, to the number of books that they've read and or, or what's on their to, to be read list versus what they have. And there's been a little bit of shaming. Like, I really? Yes. Like you only read five books. 
Oh, that's gross. It's gross. Or like, or, or self-deprecation of like last year, I read 5,429. I'm exaggerating the number, but I mean, like they're like 200, 100 books that they've listened to last year. And this year they're sad and self-deprecating because they've only listened to four less of the number, for an example, or, or 50 less of what they were hearing. And I'm, and so that's, I'm glad that you've asking me that because the thing is, is that I'm currently not listening to anything because I'm in a bit of a funk. I've been so focused on like the sultry listeners awards and some of my client work and also try to figure out how I do me for me and, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm going, holy shit balls. I haven't listened to a book in months. But that's also kind of like how I figured out a few years ago that I had depression. Mm. And finally, like when I realized, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Viv, who loves listening and reading books, has not read or listened to a book in six months. Right. When hobbies start to fall off and you don't don't feel that joy anymore. Yeah, I totally get it. I think it needs to be talked about a little bit that, you know, if you listen to one or 5,499, whatever it is, that's totally good. It doesn't matter if you're, you listen to that many because you're speeding up or that little because you take it as a regular speed. It's totally what you like to do and what you, you know, like listening to. And I think that that's also where we have to kind of have that conversation of like, it's okay. It's okay. That makes me kind of sad for people like hobbies. Like, oh my gosh, do they just want to ruin everything? Leave the hobbies alone. (laughs) Let us just enjoy them. Well, like for me, like I don't publicly announce what I am listening to unless I'm doing reviews. And and I'm also like, well, people want to know, right? Mm -hmm. But that's also a bit of my self-deprecating is because I'm like, well, I'm an enchantress of books. What do you mean you're not listening to something? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm I totally get it. I totally get it. I mean, I have a big issue with the shoulds living. Like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Like, I definitely struggle with that as well. And so, like, I totally get it. I totally get it. And so I think it's it's important to kind of have that. It's okay if you're in a funk, if the last book really mentally messed with you. Yeah, take a break. Take a break. Or the other thing too is like, Sometimes that book was so fucking good and you're going, I don't think anything else can live up to this. What can top it? Right. What can top it? And you're then are a little afraid to pick up that next book, not because it's not a favorite author or a favorite narrator, but you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to think of it that way either. I want to give it its own opportunity to live for its own awesomeness versus comparing it to my previous listen. Totally, totally. And hobbies and, and things like that is, are supposed to bring us joy, help us relax. And and I definitely find like, you know, sometimes if I'm over consuming or doing something too much, like I get burnt out and that's just my brain and my body telling me, all right, it's this is my space for something else. This is I'm giving room for something else to come in to make me happy because I just need a break from that. And that's totally fine. Yeah. But I, the to then go into the what I listened to last, because mm-hmm. I was also using this conversation to pull that up. Because um, <laughs> right, I'm also here to think titles, whew, forget that. I will forget the titles, but show me a book cover. And I'm like, yes, I read that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. So this is where we say book covers are important, folks. Anywho, so there's two that I kind of want to mention that one was Big Witch Energy and it's part of the Star Falls Point book series. So that was the second book. It's by Molly Harper, narrated by the fabulous, you know, one of my favorite uh, narrators, Amanda Ronconi and Teddy Hamilton. Oh, great. Yes. So, it was a, you know, it came out around ish kind of Halloween-ish and stuff like that. It's all witchy stuff. The 
the story series. This is book two. And it was just fascinating for me. And I love Molly, who is for me, queen of romantic comedy and snarky sass, you know, sassy heroines. And I'm going, that's up my alley. <laughs> love it. I was just going to say how much I love that title. That so fun. Yeah. The first book was witches get stuff done. And I'm like, yes, girl. I love that. I'm going to have to check her stuff out. Yes. And her writing is phenomenal. I mean, she has so many books that I'm going, oh, those are my, I will re-listen to get out of funks and things like that, or just for a good laugh, I'll listen to something like a portion of it. But uh, Molly Harper is fantastic. Another one that I listened to that was like complete left field for me in the sense of just, I, I was a little constrained because like one of my favorites is like Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I love the Kira Knightley movie, 2005 with Matthew McFadden. That's the one for me. Okay, guys, we can argue I about agree. this. Okay. Then that's why you and I are going to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is the superior one. That for is the sure. superior one. I mean, cinematically, music, to photography. To, oh, I mean, I was like, oh, I'm in love with it. Plus everything else about it. Like, I'm like, can I just like morph into the screen and live there? Kind of a thing. Oh, yes. I would do that. But the book was Mrs. Wickham. By Sarah oh, Page. I think I've seen that. Yeah, so it was around. It's an Audible original. So I believe it, if you're a part of that, um, the, the Plus catalog, I think it's part of it. But it, it's a full cast. Oh, my fave. Yes, and it's just Jesse Bucklinghead and Johnny Flynn. And there's a few other ones. And in the book, again, it's as Mrs. Wickham by Sarah Page. And as a lover of Pride and Prejudice, Wickham, bad. And and Lydia, you're going, you stupid, stupid girl. <laughs> yes, totally. And you're going, why am I going to listen to this? But that is so intriguing because like the villain stories can often be so, so interesting and eye opening. Yes, exactly. And that's also too, like a lot, there's been a lot of those spinoffs where like you get the the Disney villains now have their own books and they're like, oh, so that's why he's this way with those particular people. They deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Right. But this was a fantastic listen. It's a two hour and three minute. That's the other thing too, I think that kind of drew me to this was it was a, it was a quickie. I mean, there's no knocking a quickie folks. Okay. Right. In any format. Absolutely. <laughs> any kind. Um, sometimes you just need that. But it was so immersive. There were sound effects. It was full audiographic to that degree, um, but not too overly done where you're going distraction. Right. But it was really, really good. And I was like, wow, okay. And like you said, there was more to it. And Lydia redeemed herself and Lydia got what became the boss kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay, if this is how that storyline would have gone um, afterwards and that was her story, I'm okay with that. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. I'm a big fan of of the full cast. That's like on my bucket list as a narrator to be a part of a full cast audiobook. But yeah, I love listening to anything full cast. So I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it was really, really good. Um, so thank you for asking and uh, allowing us to have that conversation. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah. So you're going to be a dark star. I am. That's not going to be your first con, is it? I know I think I've seen your name, you're attending others, but either they have yet to happen or they just finished recently happening. So I'm going to be going to hot and steamy Portland um, before Dark Star in May. So that will be my first I've ever been to. (laughs) So I'm very excited and very nervous. I don't really know what to expect. I'm like, 
surprised because I haven't even been as a reader. Um, like I said, I w- didn't even realize this book community was a thing <laughs> right. before. So um, I would have gone if I had realized. But yeah, that'll be my first one. I'm so excited. Okay. So that's the one in Portland. Yep. But that's also interesting in the sense of like, it's not focused on the narrators. You guys are like, bonus. Um, which yeah. I always love a good bonus. But Darkstar is more like audiobook focused. Are, is there anything in particular that you're going, ooh, about? I mean, just the whole thing. I, I just love this idea. I'm going to not only be there as a narrator, but as a huge fan as well. I mean, I can't wait to meet a lot of the people that I've connected with online and to just kind of get to experience all of this together. I mean, I'm actually doing a book right now with Troy, <laughs> which is really <laughs> cool. I, you know, our, I get to meet him in person after this. Um, So I just, this whole idea is great. And I'm so excited that he decided to take it on. Yeah, I think it was, it's nice to kind of have a a bit of our own thing a bit, you know? Yeah. We're we're not the bonus. We're like the lead, right? For you guys. A thousand percent. I just think it shows how much of a a thing the audiobooks has become. And and especially in the next few years, I think it's going to grow and grow and get to be a whole new thing that people get to experience. So I'm I'm so excited. Me too. Yeah. It's it's always like, okay, what's gonna be next? I mean, I remember when it was a single narration and then also the the person just literally sitting there and reading to you in a monotonic expression. And I'm like, wait, people can do voices? <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, like even my dad He's been an audiobook listener t- since, oh my gosh, I, since tapes. Like, I remember he used to have, it was like a book and it, you would open it up and it was just all the little tapes. <gasps> I remember those. And he would have, to, he's a big runner. He's a marathon runner. So he would have to wear this giant fanny pack with all of his tapes in them on his long runs. So like, I mean, going back and thinking back to that. I, yes, exactly. Which is, he's just like, you have no idea how crazy it is to see how things, how far things have come. So yeah, that's just, it's so cool. And I, I'm sure that there's going to be some amazing things in the next couple of years too. Yes. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what comes out of this too, as far as, you know, hanging out with you guys in all in one room and getting to know you guys better, you know, in person and, and within your own elements and also between now and then what else is happening in the industry as far as audiobooks and productions and, how else you guys are also going to be more involved in things. So it's going to be exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys have not gotten your tickets, we'll make sure to include the link to the event so you guys can get your tickets while they're still available. Mm-hmm. So Katie, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what is coming up next for you? Yes, absolutely. So um, Fallacy Entangled by Mariana Bufalino. I narrated that with Dan Johnson. All of these are duet, by the way. That one is coming out in the next two weeks. It's a very, very sexy mafia romance. It's my first mafia romance, which was so fun. And then I mentioned I'm doing Tequila Tuesdays, which is actually the sequel or the second book in the series to uh, the first one was Martini Mondays that I did with John Lane. Um, but Tequila Tuesdays by J.L. Brannick, I'm doing with Troy. <laughs> so I, when I got that email, I was like, hell yes, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple of more books that are actually the second in the series coming out from ones that I did this year. So I love, love, love being able to work with authors repeatedly. And I'm just thrilled that they want to work with me again. Um, so, you know, I've got a couple of those, GK Archer, um, Demi. And so just keep an, keep an eye on my website and my social media. I am a huge, huge promoter of books that even came out like nine months ago. I'll keep talking about them because I love them so much. 
but yeah, I'm I'm always going to be shouting out these new releases. So there's a couple that I'm very, very excited about. Yay. I'm actually just loving the titles too. Like Monday Margaritas, Tequila Tuesdays. Now I'm going, it's going to be Wednesday. <laughs> Whiskey Wednesdays. Uh-huh. It's, the third. it's coming out soon. The, yeah. um, the physical book is coming out soon. So de- definitely follow um, J.L. Brannick on social because she'll be saying when that's coming out. But yeah, they're super fun. They're all set in Palm Springs, which is awesome. It's like its own little character. And these female main characters are badass. They're all lawyers. I don't know about the third one, but the first two are lawyers and they're really, really fun to voice. Yeah, I love a good strong heroine that can kick ass and doesn't need a man. <laughs> me too. And let me tell you, um, Martini Monday's John Lane was Sebastian. And ooh, if you like Dirty Talk and that deep, sexy voice, mm-hmm. definitely check that out. He was amazing. John Lane is hilarious, though. He Really? Really? Yes. He is. Yeah. And I'm like, y'all are like fawning over the sexy voice and stuff. And I'm like, just tell me a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Or say something I know. funny. It's, he's hilarious. I love him. He's awesome. He is very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My goodness. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This has this hour has flown by. <laughs> it has. It really has. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to meet you and get a hug um, yes. when we hang out together at, at a Dark Star in New Orleans next year. I'll be here quicker than you know it watching. <laughs> I know. I'm counting down the days. I can't wait. Perfect. Getting that list of things to do and swag and merch. Yay. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I've got to get all that together. I I definitely, any recommendations that anybody has, I've been putting some videos out there just to see what people want, but I'm excited. Yeah. Well, thanks again for hanging out. It's been so much fun and a pleasure. Um, Listeners, I will be including all of their social media information on the main landing page over at Vivian Enchantress of Books so you guys don't have to go hunting for it. And that way, if you're not following Haiti, go ahead and do that. And everyone, thanks again for listening. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.